Second Thessalonians chapter one. Second Thessalonians chapter one. Thank you for agreeing with my demands tonight. <laughs> Changing the schedule a little bit. Um, I thought it must might be easier, and um, um, I don't have a really long message tonight. I'm going to be honest. It's going to be real quick, in and out, and you know, um, you guys can all have a good night rest. And and I pray, I pray that God will speak to us tonight in a special way. First Thessalonians chapter. So, sorry, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, we'll just be reading from 2 to 4, verse 2. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions in tribulations that ye endure. Let's pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity of prayer. Thank you, dear God, for bringing us here tonight, Lord. And once again, Lord, I'm, I'm very thankful for everyone that's turned up, Lord, and, and um, is faithful to be here tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, dear God, tonight. I pray that you would use me um, as your vessel tonight, Lord. And Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, that we would understand your word the way you want us to understand it, dear God, and we would take something away tonight, and we'd go home different, Lord, and Lord, um, at least encourage, dear God, or maybe learn something new. Lord, um, I pray, Lord, that you bless our time now. We ask all these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I'm not kidding, church. Um, thank you so much for coming tonight. I really wasn't expecting this much of a crowd, to be honest. I, I thought uh, it would be less than this, because I thought a lot of members might be at the camp. Uh, I've been praying about the camp. I do have a list of all our campers and our servant squad. And looking at the list, there's more servant squad than there is campers, to be honest, and, um, which, is, which is a good thing. It might be a one-to-one -one thing. Um, now, if, you, if any of you want that copy, I can send it over to you. I know I've sent it to a couple of men already that requested it. And um, if you want that copy, I can send it to you by email tonight. Okay, so just let me know. Um, now, uh, I'm sure there's many ways to describe a church. I chose this, this uh, passage tonight in Thessalonians. Um, uh, tonight, and I'm going to talk about the Thessalonian church. There's many ways of how we can uh, describe tonight a church, how a church should be, uh, but in our passage tonight, we're going to quickly dis uh, discuss the three distinct char characteristics that um, the Thessalonians church exhibited, okay? So I named the, 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 um, the message tonight, Quirks of the Thessalonian church, and I've only got three points tonight, and about 200 sub-points, but... Um, Hopefully, you guys, um, if you guys are taking notes, feel free to, to do so. Um, I'm a bit daunted tonight. Like, last week was the first time I visited church on a Monday night. I visited church on a Monday night because, um, I can't remember, but I had some free time, and, and my wife had the, um, attends the, uh, the institute, yeah. So it's the first time I've actually visited the institute. I was very encouraged to see how many people are actually part of that institute. I was very, very encouraged. The last time I did the institute was back in 90s or early 2000s. Um, I remember when I did the institute for the same classes. It was, it was a lot of fun, and I was a teenager at the time. I was, I was a young adult, sorry. I was a young adult at the time, and I was the youngest guy in the class. And being in the class, again, kind of brought me back so many memories of being in the institute class. I'm very encouraged of all the... Um, and as a young adult, when I was sitting there as a young adult, I was the youngest guy in that class. And everyone in the classroom were all adults. It was, it was um, I remember um, it was uh, Sister Christie, but I remember all day, and I was, I was sitting there, and I saw, I saw some of the men 
that still do the class now. I think I've seen them there too before back in. And so I was, I was so encouraged to see a lot of the men and, um, and the women that were there and, 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 and the, the young adults that are there too. And I just remembered when I was young, I used to do that. I said, I used to be in this class years ago. And I was very encouraged with that. Um, now, um, that was just sort of side, trap, sorry, side topic. Now, I'll get back to the topic. Um, with that, I was thinking about our church. And, you know, it's a good sign. Last Sunday, I was talking to somebody last Sunday night, and there was a man outside, and his name was Will, and he was talking to me about our church. And he's like, you know, I, I noticed something about our church. He said, you guys have a lot of young kids, a lot of young people, a lot of young kids, but there's a good balance. There's also a lot of adults here, but more kids. And I said, that's actually a good sign, isn't it? And he goes, yeah, it's a really good sign. You guys have a unique sign. And he had three kids. He had, two, he had, he had three, oh, four kids, or he had four kids. And um, he said, you know, I might, I might come and visit here. You know, and I was encouraged about that. And I said, yeah, why don't you come visit us next time? Um, so he said, I might, I might visit here. I'll bring my wife here next time. But uh, it's encouraging to see that your church is a, is, a, is, is a lively church. And I said, good, good. Now tonight, um, there's a lot of things that we can talk about churches and describe churches um, and what's good and what's, um, what's, what's good and what's, what works. But tonight, I just want to discuss to you from the Bible exactly what, how the Apostle Paul described the Thessalonian church. Okay, and there's three distinct things of what's good in the Thessalonian church. Okay, number one, the first praise that Thessalonian church that Paul praised them about is their work of faith. Number one, if you're writing notes, it's a growing faith. The Thessalonian church had a growing faith. Uh, if you read verse, chap, uh, verse 3, it says, We are bound to thank God always for your brethren, as it is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Your faith groweth exceedingly. He didn't just say that your faith groweth. He mentioned that it's growing exceedingly. Exceedingly. Faith is an action word. And when you, when you witness to somebody, I normally, when I witness to somebody, I normally use the example of a taxi driver about faith. Because somebody says, what's faith? what's faith? And I said, imagine a taxi driver, you know, you get you're the driver, you get in the car, and you trust the driver to take you. Say, take me to Blacktown. You trust the driver to take you. You don't know if the driver can get to Blacktown, but you just trust him. That's faith, right? We can use a lot of different examples, but faith is an action word. And the Bible says growing faith. Said, so this, this, this church had a growing faith. I have an example for you. Um, there was a man, and I always find this, this, um, this skill very amazing. I'm not sure if some of you guys have done it, but I have recently. And it's a tightrope walker. Have you ever seen a tightrope walker? So there's, there's a building and there's a tightrope and this man crosses the rope. I tried that because in, in Schofields there's a new park at Schofields and they have this the little post, but it's probably about knee high. But there's ropes and you actually walk on the ropes. I can see my kids running across it using the rope. But me, I had to actually like, I tried doing it and it took me forever. But an hour later, at first I was, I was getting annoyed with myself because I kept falling over. But an hour later, I could actually walk through the ropes confidently. What I noticed in that, that talent there, it's actually something that, a skill that you can actually learn and grow in. So this tightrope walker, he practiced. He's not a pro, but he was practicing. Practiced for months and months and months. And finally, he had the courage, and he was standing at the edge of this building. And in this building, there was a rope connected to the other building. And he was standing at the edge of the building, and he said, I'm going to walk this, this rope. Until he, grew, he gathered enough crowd. And there was a crowd waiting now for him. So he gathered this crowd and he said, 
do you think I can make it here, make it to the other side? And people chanted saying, yeah, you can. Most people said you can because why would you issue a challenge without having to reasonably know that you can make it to the other side, you know? It would be silly if you say, can, you think I can make it? You've never done it in your life, but he knew what he was doing. So he crossed, teethered very carefully, finally got to the other side, and people clapped their hands and applauded. And now, when he got to the other side, there was a wheelbarrow. He grabbed the wheelbarrow, and he goes, now, I'm going to cross back to the other side with this wheelbarrow. How many of you guys think that I can make it? And some people go, woo, and some people kind of like, eh. now the crowd was unsure. And while he was there, he was holding the wheelbarrow with his hand, he said, he singled out one man, he said, you, sir, do you think I can cross to the other side with this wheelbarrow? And the guy said, yes, I think you can. He goes, okay, great. Then prove your faith right inside the wheelbarrow. The crowd got really, 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 really uh, uh, silent, even the man. Now, Jesus Christ calls us personally to different challenges in our life, saying he will, he will guide us over life's dangers. Would you actually ride the wheelbarrow yourself? Faith is a growing and it's an action word. The Thessalonians believers, they had faith in God. And that they had faith that God was going to do a great work through them. They actually believed and they actually trusted God. They trusted no matter how much outsiders resisted them, God's work would continue on. If you actually read the book of Thessalonians, you'll see that they were following God through affliction. They followed God through affliction. Even in 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1, it talks, it talks about the exact same thing. I'll read it out to you guys. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, in verse, um, uh, verse 3, without remembering, seizing your work of faith. Verse 6 says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. So the, the Thessalonians were, were, were going through some persecution. But regardless of the persecution, they, their faith grew. They, 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 they continued on. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20. Now, if you're writing notes, you can just take on just the, um, the, uh, the, the, the um, references. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that make it haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, that promise. Who's that, who's that he? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's faithful. They had a growing faith. Their faith had grown not despite the persecution they faced, but because of it. I repeat that, let me repeat that for you. The Thessalonians' faith had grown not despite of the persecution, but because of the persecution that they had. Because of the persecution that they had, it grew. I was talking to Brother Reg tonight, and I had the opportunity to pray with him, and it was a blessing. And he was mentioning uh, to me about the, the different things happening in, 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 um, in, in their business at the moment, and there's a lot of challenges happening at the same time. Where there's growth, there's, there's challenges. Absolutely. Where there's, there's growth, there's going to be challenges. An author once mentioned, um, a faith that can't be shaken is a faith that has already been shaken. A faith that can't be shaken is a faith that already has been shaken. And that's the truth. I don't know what you're going through at the moment, if you're going through some trials or hardships. I don't know what that is, but I agree with the statement. Faith is proven in fire. The other day I was talking to my wife about character, and I can, I can, I can kind of relate it to this one. 
and the character and, and the character that God builds in us. And I told her, character is, is, is best tested when it's up against the character. So is faith. Your fa- you can't test your faith when everything is rosy. You're not going to have, you, you, you can't say, I'm testing my faith when everything's going well. Faith is tested when it's in the fire. And you know, while we're all saved here tonight, we don't have the opportunity to exercise faith when we get to heaven. We will not have that opportunity. Why? Because we'll be with Jesus Christ, with the Lord Jesus Christ. The only time we can prove our faith to the Lord is here and now. So I don't know what you're going through, but if you're facing some, some, some struggles, when, when all the circumstances is saying no, faith is the one that says yes. Faith is the one that knows that God will provide, God will continue. If you're facing a time of persecution or hardship, you've got to realize that faith, your faith will grow over wilt during this time. You need to make a choice, and you need to have a choice if whether you're going to trust God during the time of hardship, you're going to trust God during the time of trial or challenge, you're going to trust His plan, or you're just going to give up. We need to have a growing faith, the same as a Thessalonian church. Number two, number two. Um, go back to the text. It says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the second one is the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounded. It says, The charity of every one of you all abounded. Number two, the, th- the second characteristic the Thessalonian church had is that they had an abounding love. They have and I should say, an abundant love. Was anyone here in my class for Sunday school? Yes. Awesome. Now, last Sunday, last Sunday I had an opportunity to, uh, to preach to our young adults in and, and our Sunday school. And I find my Sunday school class, I treat it as a privilege every Sunday. I, I, I treat it as a privilege every Sunday. I, I, I find that it's, an, it's a great opportunity that God gave me to preach. I don't take it for granted. I don't take the, the preaching to the young adults granted, for granted. I actually take it as a privilege. And I say that every single time I preach. It is a privilege for me to actually speak. God can use anybody he wants to. And for some reason, he's chosen me to speak to them, and I am so, so, so thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. And last Sunday, I had, um, I had, a, I had an opportunity to preach to them. Last Sunday with my class, I was talking about how we serve and seek God. And when we're serving and seeking God, it's more than just a feeling. It's more than just a feeling. You don't follow your emotions in serving God or seeking God. It's, more, it's a decision. It's a decision. And the example I gave them was love. Love is a decision. I see a lot of married couples here tonight. When, when, you, see it, when you see married couples like this, you don't, love is a decision. You don't one day wake up and say, I don't love you anymore. You had a fight. I don't, I don't think I love you anymore. You had an argument. Uh, honey, I don't think I love you anymore. It doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. Love is a decision. God didn't just say, I love you before, but now I don't love you anymore. No, God made a decision to love us before we loved him. He loved us first. It was a decision that he made, right? Love becomes more even impacting when you realize that the believers in the Thessalonian church were hated and ridiculed for their faith. It's funny how I told you that they were going through affliction, but you know how the Thessalonians responded? They responded in love. They responded in love. 
It says, And the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounded. I challenge you to read the second Thessalonians, the first Thessalonians. It talks about the, the affliction that they had and how they responded to the people. It's quite amazing. The Bible describes them that they're abundant, they, they, abundant in love. I told the young adults that, um, that it, it requires a resolute decision, a firm decision. Love is a firm decision. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a few things tonight about the love, right? Um, loving God and loving one another is a decision. I didn't say liking one another is a decision. I said loving one another. Um, we're supposed to lead our hearts. Don't follow what the Disney says or the Hollywood says, you know, you're supposed to follow your hearts. If you do that, you're going to end up in disaster for sure. The Bible says we're supposed to be leading our hearts. And when you lead your hearts, it's a decision you have to make. You lead your heart, right? Um, we have a responsibility to protect and guide our heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I try to explain this to my kids, to my daughter most especially. I draw a heart, and this is the issue. The heart has issues. You agree? Like every person in this room has issues, right? Some of us, we can't take the issues of other people. Some of you guys won't be, look at me and say, uh, do you got issues, right? And I, I do, I do, right? Everyone here is different. God made us unique, every single one of us, right? There's things that you might not like about me or don't agree about me, and there's things that I might not agree about how you do things. Does that make sense, right? Because there are issues. The Bible says, guard, keep thy heart with all diligence for her out of it the issues of life. So I'm trying to explain to my daughter that you have to keep your heart, meaning you have to guard your heart, because the issues will come out. Because out of it are the issues of life. Out of it will come out. You know, God, loving God is a resolute decision. It's not a feeling. You have to make a decision. As Christians, love is the basis of our whole identity. As Christians, love is the basis of our whole identity. Our spiritual rebirth came because God so loved the world. John 3, 16. Our very, our very basis of our Christianity is because God so loved the world. God made a decision to love us. Did you know that our love for each other is actually supposed to be how others distinguish us as Christians? Our love for each other and for other people is how other people distinguish us as Christians. Open your Bibles to John 13. <clears throat> John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Our love for each other is supposed to be how people distinguish us as Christ's disciples. In John chapter 13, verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. If ye have love one to another. We're supposed to be rooted and grounded by this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Don't open it, I'll read it out to you that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Our foundation is supposed to be love. It's meant to, ex to be expressed with passion and fervency. 1 Peter 4, verse 8, it says, And above all things, have fervent charity. Have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Have fervent charity. And it's a quality that we're supposed to abound more and more, just like the Thessalonians had. They had an abundant love. First, first, first Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, The Lord make it you to increase and abound in love one to another and toward all men as we do toward you. 
Someone once said, Resentment is careful to keep books, but love keeps no books. You know, um, I could call you family and friends. So we, can, we can actually make a ledger or a book, if you so choose, of the many times that other people wrong us. You know how many times, um, being, being in a position where I can speak to young adults and, and also to other men of church and members of church, you know how many times you've spoken to people and reach out. And, you know, and I hear a lot of so people... I have give, God's given me the opportunity to actually speak to some, to some people and they voice out their opinions and they voice out you know, their cares. And, and, and I enjoy that because it keeps my mind tick, ticking and you know, it gives me something that I can pray for them about specifically, right? And, and, there's, and there's sometimes people would voice out the issues that they have you know, towards you know, whatever it is, work, um, church, right, things like that. And, and, I, and I have an opportunity to, and God's given me the opportunity to, to, to do that and and, and if I were so to choose, people sometimes, even myself, I include myself, you can easily remember something bad that happens to you, isn't it? How come we easily remember our, the shortcomings of others to us? If you had a bad experience, customer service, whatever it is, you can easily remember. But you think of the good things that that person done, it's hard to think of it. It's hard to think of it. You can actually make a list. You can make a list of, of how many times people wrong you, the injustices that you've felt, the many times that you've, been, that you've been wronged by other people. Thessalonians could do the same thing, but they didn't. They responded in love. They responded in love. Sure, some, some people, you know, there's some people are just easy to love, right? There are some individuals who have, just have a different spirit, different character. They're so easy, like, it's so easy to talk to them. It's so easy to, to, to love them, right? To like them, right? But there's some that are others. How do we treat that? Where is it, how's your temperature when it comes to your heart? Are you loving? Is your love abounding? The same as your faith is? And the last one, like I said, it's going to be real quick. Last one, back to our, our text in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. And this was an interesting one. I was thinking of the third one, but let me read this out to you. It says, um, so that we ourselves, verse 4, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you enjoy. Let me read that again. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions, revolutions, tribulations that you endure. The last one that they have Paul adds one last character to the trait of this church, and what it was is from that verse, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions. You know what the church had? They had a persevering spirit. They had a persevering spirit. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. They had a persevering spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, No man that word against himself, no word entangling himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. It says here, 
Thou therefore endure hardness. We're supposed to endure hardness. They had a persevering spirit. The, the group of believers in the Thessalonian church faced intense pressure and persecution, yet they continued on their faithfulness. They continued on. Now, there's, there's going to be times that we feel weak. I'm not going to lie. And I was talking to a brother this morning. I said, uh, said there, there are times that we're going, to weak, we're going to feel weak. We're going to feel weary. We're going to feel pain. We're going to feel fear of the unknown. There's times that we have that. And you had those, sometimes you even feel like throwing in the towel and giving up. Not sure about you, but I felt that a few times. I felt that a few times last year. Well, even years, years ago, and, you know, I felt like, you know, just throwing the towel. Throwing in the towel. We might get discouraged, and especially when you've got some battles that you've, you, you face, right? And some battles you don't win. Unfortunately, that's the reality of it. That's why you pick your battles. But even the battles that you pick, sometimes you don't win them, right? Yeah, and that's just the reality of it all. And when those things happen, you know what happens? You, you, you realize that you're not in control, right? You're not in control, and it becomes discouraging. It's, it's very discouraging. Sometimes it gets me discouraged, and you feel like you can't see any progress in your life. You ever been in that position before, and you find it that you can't, even though you're working so hard, you're kind of pedaling, but it's backpedaling, you know, two steps forward, one step back, and you're pedaling so hard, but it seems like it's not moving at all. You're staying the same pace. If anything, you're going backwards. In times like that, you need to continue to persevere. There's no other way. You need to continue to persevere. Don't quit. God never quit on you. How many times have you failed the Lord Jesus Christ? I was talking to a young adult, and I was talking to him about, about faithfulness, and he, was, and he, he, he kind of he laughed at one point, we were talking about, and I can't exactly remember what it was, but when we were talking about this, this about love, he was talking to me about relationship. And he was talking to me about how he's having trouble with this relationship. And he's saying, what if, what if this other person that I love or I care about, I do all of this for this person, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Wrote it down, right? He wrote it down. The good things that he's done. I said, that's good. Right? I'm doing my 80% of the work, and she's only giving less than 20%. How do you think I should respond to her? And I said, There's the problem. And he goes to me, What's the problem? We were in the car for like two hours. We are in the car for two hours. And I said to him, I said, this is, this is your problem. You're only giving your 80% to this relationship. Where's the, 100, where's the other 20%? I said, You should be giving your 100%. But if I give my 100%, she's only going to give 20%. Brother Rob, do you understand this? And he's in the laughed at me. <laughs> I don't get you. He goes, what kind of advice is that? He said, you want me to give my 100% and she's going to continue giving 20%. Is that fair? Is that fair? And I said to him, brother, have you ever sinned? He goes, yeah, of course. Of course you know I sinned. How many times have God spoken to you, whispered to your ear, and you just let it go? You followed your flesh. How many times have you done that? I said, if you sin, I hope. I said to him, I actually, I actually told him, I said, I hope that you don't sin. I hope that you don't sin. Because God treat us the same way that you'd like to be treated this way. 
I said, God gives us 100% all the time. He gives you your roof. He gives you clothes. To, he gives you the very air that you breathe. You have 100% of God all the time. And reading the Bible, praying to the Lord, attending the service, regular services. How are you regular? I'm not talking about during the events we have. We have events. And you know what? During events, everyone's there, isn't it? How about the regular service? Where's the perseverance in the regular service? Right? I make it to a point, I told my wife, unless we're, you know, we're not well or sick or unable to make it to church, we're going to, I said, I want to be at church because I want to teach my kids the importance of being at church. There's a perseverance there. We need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Remember, we're in a winning battle, but you have to stay till the end. You have to stay till the end. Don't give up. If God was to give up on us, what would we be? I wrote down here, to persevere means to continue in a course of action even in the face of difficulty. How's your spirit in your regular walk with Christ? Our regular services, like I mentioned. Understand sometimes circumstances will not allow us to make it, but the regular days that you miss just because you want to miss it because you don't feel like coming, those are the times you need to persevere. You need to be very careful. If you're a young adult or an adult, you got to be careful. Why? Because the little ones are always watching. And it might not be your little ones. It might be somebody else's little one. They're watching us. They're watching you. I grew up knowing that. They're watching us. They're watching you. And they follow your lead. They follow your example. Do you have a persevering spirit? Are you setting an example for them to follow? These believers refuse to renounce their faith. Let their love grow cold or abandon hope. They refuse to renounce their faith. They refuse to go cold. They continued on, and they faithfully followed God despite the outside circumstances. Now, how would you describe the attributes in your life? Do you have a growing faith? How's the temperature of your heart? Do you, is your love abounding towards others? Do you have a persevering spirit? And I'm not talking about love in terms of the people that you just like. Abounding in love. How about the ones that are hard to like? How do you respond when people, when you receive persecution towards other people? How do you respond to that? The Thessalonians weren't perfect. They had patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's seek God's help in growing each of these areas in our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity, Lord, to be at church. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the Bible, dear God, and Lord, uh, we thank you, Lord, for the verses we've read and the reminders that we've had tonight. We, I didn't preach something great, dear God, but Lord, your word is great. And your, your word, Lord, is a sword, piercing, Lord, to our hearts, Lord. And I just pray, dear God, that you would help us, Lord, to, to leave tonight. Be reminded of your word, Lord. Help us, Lord, to improve something in our lives. Lord, and whether it be, Lord, our faith to grow even more, dear God, Lord, our, our love, Lord, to abound more for others, dear God, Lord, or our spirit, dear God. Help us, Lord, to have the right spirit in serving, dear God. Sometimes it's going to be hard, but, Lord, help us, Lord, to have the persevering spirit. Continue on and not give up, Lord. Lord, and, and Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity to be here. I pray, dear God, that you continue to look after the camp. 
you know, the servant squad there, and I pray, Lord, for uh, continue to, for decisions to be made there, but also in here, Lord God. Lord, start a revival in our hearts, Lord. And we ask all these things in Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh,